Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I have a strange question to ask y'all. Do y'all remember the last meal that you ate? Remember what you had? Remember how it tasted? Remember uh, just what it was, where you were, who you were with, all these things like that? If I were to ask you the same question about dinner you had three weeks ago on Friday, can you answer the same question? No, probably not. I can't, I'll be honest with you. It's one of those things, it's a trick question. I couldn't answer it myself. But I guess my point is, is that how often do we stop and do we think about the things that we eat? Don't worry, I'm not going to get on a diet tirade or anything like that, but I will say that it is amazing how we go through our lives all the time receiving all sorts of good things and not really giving it a second thought. That three weeks ago on a Friday, you ate. You ate something. You didn't starve, I would assume, and yet you don't really think about it very much because on some level, well, charitably, you trust that God is going to take care of you. Either that or you just take for granted the things that God gives, which tends to be more of what we lean into, right? That we forget often, regularly, that God provides all the things that we need for our bodies and for our souls. Sometimes we might think, well, I go to church for the spiritual benefit. And that's true. But God does more than just take care of your spirit. He takes care of your body. And he makes sure that you have what you need to eat. And he makes sure that you're taken care of. We see that from our gospel text, there's a story about the feeding of the 4,000, which sometimes we can chalk it up to, yeah, 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 we already know how that goes. We saw it with the 5,000. This one's not as impressive because it's less people, right? Or you just may not think too much of it. It's like, yeah, of course Jesus feeds people. Of course he does these things. And that's a good attitude to take. But I want to take a look at the disciples here for a second. The thing about Mark's gospel is that uh, it's so brief. It gets to the point. He doesn't mess around with details or fluff. He just says, this happened, then this happened, then immediately this happened, right? But there's something interesting to dive into with the way that Mark words things and puts things. That in those days, when again a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have, and have, and have, excuse me, and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. We've seen this word compassion before. I've said it before and I like saying it, so I'm going to say it. It's splagnitsamai. This, uh, this feeling, this gut-wrenching compassion that he has for the people, that they have been with him for three days. 
and have nothing to eat. They brought things to prepare for that time. They knew they'd be with him for a certain amount of time, but now they're in the wilderness with nothing. And that's like being, well, how can we put it? I mean, we in the hill country here are on the same latitude. Is that what it is? Same latitude as like Bethlehem, right? So we kind of feel how hot and how dry it can get out there. And so it's like, I don't know, being out on, uh, on, being out on Enchanted Rock for three days and then deciding we got to walk home now. Oh, but we don't have anything to take care of us on the way. It's kind of a scary prospect, isn't it? Walking through the hot, hot, barren land, right? And so Jesus sees them and he has compassion. He feels for them. He knows that they need to eat. And so he simply says, if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. Now, he doesn't tell his disciples, you need to feed them. His disciples have seen this before, they get the gist, and yet they still ask, how can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? If we look at the reading of the the 5,000 from Matthew, they say, how are we supposed to do it, right? But here they say, how can anyone do it? Unless we be too hard on the disciples here, we should actually be like the disciples here. Because you can actually, if you understand the right tone, you can see how they are simply believing Jesus can do these things, but seeking some understanding as to how it's done, right? It's like, it's like St. Mary when she's told by Gabriel that she will conceive and bear a child, but she's a virgin. And she doesn't say, that's impossible, how ridiculous. She wonders and says, how can this be, right? It's faith that seeks understanding, right? And Jesus simply asks them, how many loaves do you have? And they say seven, and you know the rest of the story. Everybody's fed. But it's also interesting that the disciples say, how can one feed these people? But the word used in that sense is, how can they be filled to the brim? They're basically saying, Lord, we know you can fill people to their satisfied, to their stuff, to the gills. How? Right? And lo and behold, we see that he does it. And it says that after he had blessed the food and given it out to the people, they ate and were satisfied. Have you ever had, well, you know, Thanksgiving meal? At the end of Thanksgiving, how do you feel? Yeah, you feel stuffed like that turkey you just ate, right? You feel full. You're satisfied. You're so satisfied. You don't have a care in the world and you go lay down on the couch or wherever and you take a nap, right? That's how these people are. They are filled with the provisions that Christ lays before them, that Christ brings about for them. And so it is for us. So it is for us that every single day, It is a miracle that we actually have food in the freezer. We have food in the refrigerator. We have food on our tables. We have roofs over our heads. It is a miracle that God takes care of us. Now, do we ask for it? Yes, we should. But we know from uh, the explanation of the fourth petition 
of the Lord's Prayer, right? Give us this day our daily bread. What does this mean? God certainly gives daily bread to everyone without our prayers, even to all, even to all um, <laughs> evil people. But we pray in this petition that God would lead us to realize this and to receive our daily bread with thanksgiving. Now, what is meant by daily bread? Daily bread includes everything that has to do with the support and needs of the body, such as food, drink, clothing, shoes, house, home, land, animals, money, goods, a devout husband or wife, devout children, devout workers, devout and faithful rulers, good government, good weather, peace, health, self-control, good reputation, good friends, faithful neighbors, and the like, so on and so forth. All these things God gives to us freely out of his own divine fatherly care and goodness. So with these things, when you think about how you probably can't remember the last time you were literally starving, probably can't remember a time when you were actually stuck without shelter, in danger of being exposed to the elements and dying of it. With all these things, you can see how God does take care of you. And you can see how he has compassion on you by just allowing these things to be. And so with that beginning from the lesser in some sense and going to the greater, if he takes care of your body so well, he makes sure that you're taken care of, you're fed, you're sheltered, how much more will he take care of your soul? How much more will he bless you with the spiritual benefits that he brings through his word and his sacraments? How much more Will he bless you through eternal life by trusting that Jesus Christ has died for you, has shed his blood for you, now lives on high for you so that you may do the same someday? It's interesting, though, being Lutherans, being sacramental Christians, we inherently understand that God blesses in both body and soul. We don't simply just come to church, hear the word, which is a good thing, and believe that it's all good and we then we go out through the doors and that's it. God actually does a great thing in combining the spiritual with the, with the, the excuse me, with the physical, that he binds his word to the elements of water through holy baptism. He binds his word to bread and wine, making it the body and blood of Christ. That when you come here, you are fed by the word. When you hear, it strengthens your faith. And yet God says, that's not enough. In fact, it is enough, but I want to give you more. I want to literally feed you. I want to literally place the body and blood of Christ on your tongue so that you can know that I go above and beyond to support you, to sustain you, to bless you, 
so that you have no doubt, no doubt whatsoever that I love you and that I have done all these things for you. God goes above and beyond for us. And we should remember these things. Remember that our bodies and souls are connected in such a way that you don't really know where one begins and the other ends. And so God knows this and says, I have tied these things together so that you can be fed in body and soul according to my promise. So with these things, as we go forward here uh, through our lives, and as we go forward living the lives that God has called us to live through faith in Jesus Christ, let us remember and give thanks for all the things he gives for our body, but also for the way he feeds both body and soul through his word and sacraments. And with that... Don't worry about what comes tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble, and the Lord has made that day as well. For this is the day that the Lord has made, and let us rejoice and be glad in it. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.